Hi folks, I'm Alan Watton. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on 20th of November 2012. For newcomers, as always, I suggest you make good use of CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. Lots of free audios for download, going backward a few years. And I go through the system you're born into with all of its incredibly well-worked-out deceptions because there are those who've been at this for an awful long time on this planet to take it over, and it's pretty well accomplished just with where we are today. This is the big takeover, and you're living through this century of change, they call it. This is when everything that they planned must be brought into fruition and applied. And this is the time for the great transitions, as they also bring in the completely new way of living. You'll be monitored from cradle to grave, literally, by the authorities. It's already happening in Scotland and other countries now. And uh, you'll be, um, you'll have government agencies coming in to tweak you here and tweak you there when you're not politically correct or you're not following the agenda. This scientific socialism is one term for it as well. But the guys at the top are anything but socialists. Uh, they simply control the body social. That means all of the people. And this is the way it's all designed to go. Most folk don't mind because they're so well entertained as they go down the tubes financially and so on and they're not really in the reality that's all around them. They're living in a hypnotic state because the conditioning has worked very, very well on them. Very, very well indeed. Scientific socialism, as Bertrand Russell and others called it. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you, so you can keep me going by buying the books and discs at cuttingthroughthematics.com and donating as well. I don't run this like a big business. I don't run it to get a big name or, or any of that kind of stuff. I simply came out out of the woodwork to start telling the public and changing the direction that Patriot Radio was going on, going on into a lot of years ago because it was navel-gazing. It didn't understand the big global agenda and eugenics and so on. And I'm glad to see lots have copied that and come out with it and, and are putting it out there. So, as I say, from the US to Canada, you can help me by buying the books and discs, or you can uh, donate by using personal checks to Canada. You can also send cash. You can use PayPal. You can use an international postal money order from the post office. And, as I say, straight donations are awfully, awfully welcome across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal as well. Same, same thing, too. Donations are really, really appreciated. But we're living through an agenda, and that's the hardest thing for folk to get their heads round, because they live in the real time of the media. The media gives you what you think is real-time news, and of course their job is not to bring you up into any reality. Their job is to keep you conned into hypnotic state thinking that things are just happening day by day, and politicians are actually figuring, figuring out how to get us out of different messes. Government itself is the problem, so, so they're never going to get you out of a mess. 
And apart from that too, remember what uh, the group that founded this big movement towards world domination, which was the Royal Institute for International Affairs, what they said at the time too, a long time ago when they set it up, they'd take over the world, everything in it, all the resources, that includes human resources, and use academia to indoctrinate the children into the acceptance stage by stage by stage into this world plan of theirs. And of course lots of folk have gone through it uh, thinking it's like the Star Trek series, it's just free trade and all the good countries will join you, all the bad ones are nasty, nasty creatures. And you all thought we'd be a happy, smiling planet by now. Well, it's not happening because it was never intended that it happened. Because believe you me, those at the top of the Royal Institute for International Affairs and the Royal Society as well, Council of Foreign Relations, all part of the same group, by the way, are complete eugenicists and they want to remake and reshape humanity altogether. I actually have some articles on that tonight from the Royal Society. But remember their first project, the Royal Society, was to create a glass beehive to perfect society. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the matrix, and it really is an incredible matrix. A lot of stuff should be self-evident to people. Uh, a lot of stuff isn't because they've been so conditioned, they're, they're set to default when certain topics are, are mentioned. Uh, they're, they're guilt d- default, even though they've been guilty of nothing, actually. That's how uh, techniques work in the, in the techniques of neuroscience, working on the mind and behaviorists and so on are all involved in this too. You have no idea of how many non-governmental organizations and institutions dream up how we're going to talk, what we're going to talk about, what we will believe and not believe, including your religions. They've done an awful good job now because take over the world. Remember, these big boys said they'd have to destroy the family unit and their religions and the cultures in order for one to dominate. Now, I can say it so, so blithely, really, but you understand this is true. This is how it really works. This is how warfare works as well, long-term warfare in the Fabian style. And that's what you've been subjected to. But as I say, never in history has so much entertainment been thrown out at the same time amongst horror and so much entertainment from the military as well. The Pentagon's funding so many movies and has been for years, never mind the TV programs you watch too, all to do with anti-terrorism, anti-terrorism, until you have no rights whatsoever and you accept it. You accept it all, all that's been done to you as you're degraded and you have no self-respect anymore and you're living in fear. But there's been people living in fear for an awful long time. And this article here talks about some of them here. And it says, likening Palestinians to blades of grass. And it says, Israeli hardliners joke about the periodic need to decimate each new generation of Palestinian militants as mowing the grass. A process underway again in new bombardments of Gaza. The ugly metaphor has also penetrated the think tank world of official Washington, as ex-CIA analyst Elizabeth Murray learned. 
It says, early in 2010, one of Washington, D.C.'s most prestigious think tanks was holding a seminar on the Middle East, which included a discussion of Israel's December 2008 January to 2009 assault on Gaza, which killed about 1,300 Palestinians. When the death toll was mentioned, one expert in the panel smiled enigmatically and intoned, it's unfortunate, but every once in a while you have to mow the lawn. And he goes on to say that um, this remark, which likened killing hundreds of men, women, and children, many of them non-combatants, with uh, trimming uh, the grass, was greeted with a light tittering around the room, you know, tee-hee-hee, which was filled with some of Washington's most elite, highly educated, and well-paid Middle East experts. Not a single one objected to the panelists' black humor. It's probably the same think tank that I put up about a few weeks ago, where they talked about, and I put the link up too for the video, where they talk about creating an incident and blaming Iran as starting a war so they can invade Iran and get American troops to go in. But it's the same, I bet it's the same group, actually. So remember, two and long-term warfare and strategy for total war, that's an inaccuracy, actually, is killing the next crop of children. And uh, that started off in Britain, Sandhurst in Britain was the first uh, army's college to teach total war. And in long-term strategies, you kill off the young ones who will, uh, who may grow up to be your opponents down the road. And of course, Israel believes in total war. Uh, and for many reasons, including the, the particular fundamental religion that's taught there too. But I've got three articles on that too. And, um, this art, other article says the mainstream's media coverage of all things Middle Eastern is almost always toxic. Times of war, the toxicity exceeds tolerable levels. I'm not referring to the war in Afghanistan, recently uh, brought under greater attention, quotas of General Petraeus' body and those who access, with access to it, and not just piling corpses of civilians being slaughtered there. It means, it means Gaza, where Israeli bombs continue to rain death and destruction from air and sea, killing scores of civilians. There's fears of imminent ground invasion. But then they go into the article and um, and mention about, again, cropping the grass, you know, cutting the grass. You just mow the lawn. And then a, then a third one, same thing, and it's from the Christian Science Monitor. Israelis ponder alternatives to mowing the lawn in Gaza. And there's a video on that as well for those who care to look at it. Apparently right now there's a little ceasefire for a little while, but we'll wait and see how that goes. I was reading elsewhere too, there's one and a half, there's really had one and a half thousand strikes from air and sea in the, these last few days. Against people who, who generally have nothing to throw back except stones. Now, another article too has to do with the, the degradation that was mentioned earlier about uh, what's happening today. Um, people are degraded, they don't know it themselves. Culturally degraded, they have lost their cultures, most countries. Essential again to bring under a world, into a world government with no nations eventually, just a complete mixture, but run by people at the top who know exactly what they're doing. And to do so, you must destroy all that was, all that was. And especially the family unit and the, the natural communities that came out of that and the, the culture that came out of it as well. So uh, I've mentioned before about Theo Adorno and the Frankfurt School 
and the various other organizations he belonged to, pushing for all the stuff. He took over the culture for America. He was given permission by the president of the U.S. that said it was getting too fascist. This is an excuse that they used. We could go like Nazi Germany and turn on some people. So therefore, they came out, they were given carte blanche to alter the culture in America, and they went full steam ahead to destroy it. Now, Hollywood's big secret in mainstream media uh, cesspool it's called it's a video uh, and I'll put it up tonight and it's, it shows you how they're, they're pushing on TV and in movies toddlers with tiaras and so on trying to make them pose and be sexy and all this stuff is to push the pedophilic program because of the one of every other um, thing that went after for the movies so this is the big thing that's happening now and you hear some of the actors talking about pedophilia and I've, I've mentioned these ones before a while back but it's back again uh, you hear the actors themselves talking about pedophilia as one of Hollywood's biggest secrets. In the same topic too, I have to laugh at these articles that come out. Because remember, articles are weaponized. The media is weaponized. Otherwise, you would get truth on things, and you don't get truth on things at all. Uh, uh, that's their job, to keep you living in a fake reality. But this, this one says... Um, Experts, experts, sexologists. What's a sexologist? I mean, does it mean how many times you've had sex? What, what does it mean? It means rubbish, you see. It's nonsense. Experts propose legalizing child porn to treat pedophiles. Hmm? It's like giving murderers people to kill and slaughter in prison. Yeah. It's the same thing. This is what could be described as an attempt to legitimize pedophilia. A proposal is being uh, debated in the Netherlands to legalize child porn. Now, the Netherlands is a kind of champion in this kind of area for many, many things. And I've done articles before in the man who's the minister of justice, who's accused of lots of the same stuff himself. But they can't get any charges brought against him because he's the top guy. But here they go trying to legalize child porn. And says, therapists from Amsterdam University, how do you get a degree as a therapist in pedophilia? Unless you are one. Are proposing to legalize virtual child pornography to provide pedophiles an opportunity to relieve their sexual desires and urges. As I say, why not just give, you know, living people to murderers to kill themselves for, not get rid of their desires to kill people. See how the madness is? The academics who, I can't even say the word academics, who proposed this concept claim that by forcing pedophiles to repress their fantasies, the frustrations and tensions caused by these fantasies would eventually lead pedophiles to commit crimes in the community. This is one of the self-described sexologists who explained that if you make virtual child pornography under strict government control with some kind of labeling or label explaining that no child was abused, you can give pedophiles a way of regulating their sexual urges. Even more disturbing is the fact that the therapists who conceived the proposal believe that adults are not responsible for their thoughts and feelings. You understand where it's all supposed to go? So adults are just not responsible for their thoughts and feelings. You're back to this cabalism again. There's no right and wrong on anything. You know, moral relativity is to teach everything in schools. The head of Amsterdam University sexology department, <laughs> a sexology department, was quoted as saying, we're not responsible for our thoughts and our fantasies. We're only responsible for one thing, our actions, they say here. 
Therapies such as medication, aversive conditioning and other cognitive therapies are used to treat adults who have been identified as paedophiles. However, rather than treat the condition, and that's a joke because they have no treatments at work, and they admit that, the therapy proposed only attempts to hide the symptoms and not treat the disease. It's like it's a dis- the fact is, there's no treatment. There's no treatment, folks. Apart from that, I read an article last year about a Canadian, the top guy for Canada, psychiatrist, who had to leave his job and get treatment himself because he was working on extreme stuff with paedophiles and sexual um, um, molesters, where they watch all this stuff, video after video after video, and and so on, and then they, they try and give them um, uh, abreaction therapy too, uh, by giving them little shocks when you see certain things or respond in a certain way, but it actually was affecting him as well. So you can't tamper with these, these basic, basic primeval things. You can't tamper with them at all. Or you become just as contaminated as the person who's got it. Anyway, I may even put that link up again tonight to show you. Considering that just over 10 years ago, the Dutch government banned all virtual child pornography that, consider, that consists of computer generated images, drawings and paintings, how the government will formally respond to this proposal is unclear. The good news is that present support from the Dutch government is non-existent. One former politician, Gerdy Verbeert, uh, was, was quoted in AFP as saying it's really not a good idea. And then have a breakdown of the registered sex offenders by state in the United States of America as well. The stacks of them, there's so many of them, it's incredible. And this also represents from the Defense for Children International Charity have publicly opposed the proposal and have committed to exploring other proven treatments. Now, you should ask in the first place why universities across the world, again, going back into the United Nations policy and the rights of the child and all that, and Planned Parenthood pushing for the age limit for sexual contact with children to be abolished. It all ties in together. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and talking about the future of work. For your masters, you want a perfect slaves. And everything's always dressed up so wonderfully that we fall into, and it's always uh, what we call in Scotland a midden, a midden, uh, once you realise what it really is, uh, and it's not what you thought about at all. But here's from the Royal Society, and uh, it, it just ties in with their big PDF, which I'll put up tonight to all the links will be up at cutting through the com. It's called Human Enhancement and the Future of Work. So you're just not good enough to work for your masters the way you are, you understand. And it says the Human Enhancement and the Future of Work Project explored potential enhancements arising from advances in science and engineering that are likely to impact on the future of work. Key messages identified by participants at the workshop in March 2012 included enhancement technologies that could change how we work. Work will evolve over the, next, over the next decade with enhancement technologies potentially making a significant contribution. Widespread use of enhancements might influence an individual's ability to learn or perform tasks on, and this is for the working class and perhaps even to enter a profession. Huh, wow. Influence motivation, so you may be interested in a boring job, enable people to work in more extreme conditions where you shouldn't be working at all or into old age, reduce work-related illness or facilitate earlier return to work after illness. 
And it says, known unknowns, yeah, well, that's the term to the Rumsfeld Jews, eh? need to be addressed by studies and by short-term and long-term impacts, both positive and negative enhancements on individuals with detailed consideration of social and ethical impacts using deliberative dialogue with users, potential users, and wider society and the development of a market map to guide commercialization. This is a must-be. It's going ahead. When these things are, are mentioned, it's already all over the place ready to go into action. Continuous monitoring to inform the reassessment of any policy or regulatory decisions is vital, but will also require these underpinning uh, data, it says. The policy must be informed by open dialogue. Well, that never happens. They don't mean you. It means academia again and right down to the, to the schools, the small near junior schools. We must engage publics in open dialogue about the prospects of enhancement technologies and how they might be used at work, particularly given that the use at work would affect the entire population. You get the point? It's going to affect the whole population. But those employed and, and uh, not employed, sources of input would include users of enhancements, older populations, trade unions, as well as those with expertise with novel innovations and technologies. Policymakers and publics must be equipped to recognize circumstances in which, for example, claims around the benefit of new technologies are inflated. So they must get a little bit of truth out there. They're talking about using pharma and lots of other things to make you work and be motivated. And, the, and then they go into the cost of technologies and how crucial that will be. It says benefit analysis are clearly key factors in determining who funds provision. Well, the taxpayer will fund it for the big corporations, which in turn will impact on equality and justice. Cost also drives investment decisions and will therefore be important in determining commercialization opportunities. So big money be made out of it from the guys at the top. And then they're going about the availability of enhancements will be influential. Now, they already have different ones out, even for enhancing the, the speed that the brain will work. You know that, because the Air Force has been using it for years in different ones in the military. They're actually doing studies in Canada on students with some of these drugs, but they're not telling you about the long-term effects, because every drug has long-term effects. And when you're kind of enhancing or speeding up the brain, there will be some pretty nasty side effects down the road. They won't tell you for years, mind you, what they are. Then they go into the interdisciplinary approaches will be key to moving forward. That's, that'll be all, all the different kinds of sciences all working together with academia for cognitive training uh, and so on and so on to, to make it all uh, work properly the way they want to have it worked. So I'll, I'll put this up tonight, tonight as, uh, as I said, with uh, the links and the one to the Royal Society uh, PDF, which goes into human enhancement. Uh, and the future of work. It's called Report from, from a Joint Workshop hosted by the Academy of Medical Sciences, the British Academy, the Royal Academy of Engineering, and the Royal Society. The future you, the, the Borg, you see. I mean, that's the perfect one they're after, isn't it? The Borg. The Borgs never complained about what works too long, it's too tedious, and I'm bored stiff. You never heard the Borg saying that, did you? So I'll put this up tonight for those who care to know what the future is. Most folk don't because they think, I'm okay my little bubble. It won't change while I'm alive. Or if it changes, it'll be after I'm dead and let the next generation take the, take the fall. That's how they do things, you know. Now, in, in Britain, and this is awfully similar to an article I read not so long ago, it's like Deja Vu, 
but it says here, an army veteran and his wife die in tragic suicide pacts after becoming too poor to live through the winter. In other words, uh, eugenics came into play and the authorities just wrote them off. And they're not minority groups, so they don't get special. Believe you me, if you're a minority, the government agencies would be in like a, a shot to make sure you had everything you needed because they're so terrified over in Britain about being racist. But if, you, if you're just an ordinary person, believe you me, they just, just leave you alone to die. Anyway, it says, I'm not kidding about that. That's just how things have turned out. This is every month a couple walk 12 miles to a soup kitchen to get free food. You know, 12 miles. The charity said that they slipped through the nets. Mark and Helen Mullins kept food in plastic bags in their garden because they couldn't afford a refrigerator. They probably had no electricity. They had driven to despair at having to live off 57 pounds and 50 cents, uh, 50 pennies a week. Poverty stricken pair were found dead at the home last Friday. And I'll be back with more of this in a little while. Hold on. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. Reading an article, it was from last November, actually. I knew I'd seen it before. But the whole point of the thing is, uh, for those in Britain, um, you have to start looking out for yourselves and you have to recognize when folk are in awful trouble because uh, they won't complain, a lot of them. The British folk won't complain. And uh, and here's what happens. The, the social services abandon them, as it says in the article, and no one bothered to, to, to ask them if they needed any, any extra help or anything like that. Uh, the social services took their child away, by the way. They do that for you and left the parents to just kill themselves. Uh, that's pretty standard now. If you have no function in society and you're, and you're a liability to society, an economic liability, you're written off. Remember that the definition of the United Nations of a good world citizen is both a producer and a consumer. You can't be one or the other. You've got to be both, you see. Once you're, you're simply a consumer, then you're a liability. And this is the world that you're really in today. I'll put this link up re- again, regardless as I've done it before. Now in Britain too, they're trying to get these secret courts going through. It says Clark's secret courts belong in a repressive regime. Well, what do you think you've been living under all this time? <laughs> An undemocratic society. Well, when have you had democracy? Hmm? It says warn lawyers. And it says the Justice and Security Bill would allow civil cases involving national security to be conducted behind closed doors. And the Law Society warned it wouldn't, it would badly damage Britain's reputation for open and fair justice. I wonder when they've had that. Leading lawyer says current proposals are unfair and unnecessary and unbalanced. Anyway, Clark admitted yesterday that government plans for secret courts may be defeated as one of the country's leading legal bodies said they were more suitable to repressive regimes and undemocratic society. It's just not time to. You understand we've been trained into authoritarianism. This is a new undemocratic system that the Club of Rome said they would have to come into. This is what your this war on terror is all about, training you uh, to disobey authority. And, and to do without rights, like any war situation when martial law comes in, authority takes over. This is the whole purpose of the whole thing worldwide. 
and, and, and it's working awfully well as far as I can see. This is the House of Lords began to debate the Justice and Security Bill, which allows civil cases involving national security to be conducted behind closed doors. The clerk made the last much just attempt to rally support for the legislation, but it played down the significance of parliamentary defeat, suggesting the government may have to water down its plans still further to get them into law. So they still want them to get them into law. Anyway, I'll put this one up tonight too as well. Now there's a caller on the line, Jerry from North Carolina. Are you still there, Jerry? Uh, yes, sir, I am. Go ahead. Uh, uh, my question is kind of off topic, but I, I've called in before about uh, some religious stuff. Uh, I was I was born and raised in a Christian home, and I've, I've, it's taken me a long time to kind of get past, you know, some of the, the stuff that I've had beaten in my head a lot. Yep. Uh, and I was thinking, have you ever run across anything? I mean, this is just a theory that I've, I've kind of got, and I don't know if there's anything to it or not. But the, the, all the stuff that's in Revelation sounds to me like, I mean, it, I, I get the feeling that maybe this has all happened before, that this is just, you know, that, that, and it's all kind of coming around again. Have you ever run across anything to support that? Well, you remember, too, that Revelation uh, was put into the, the first Bible that people had was the Catholic uh, uh, Vaticanus, Latin, the Latin Vaticanus Bible. And they didn't have it initially. They put it in a few hundred years later. They took it out again and they put it back in again. Because they weren't sure if it was a Gnostic uh, writing. It's written in, in um, esoteric language, which is sort of Gnostic writing, you understand. Everything else is Coptics, which is right out in the open. There's no guessing what it means. But, but in Gnosticism, it's all mystery religion. So what you do know is that... Um, the boys that run the world, there's no doubt about it, are following a, a plan. They're following a plan. You'll find in ancient times, too, all the nastiest things that could happen if you had them all at once uh, are, are really how you destroy civilization as you know it in any era. And therefore, you'd have the wars are simple. Wars and ongoing wars, rumors of wars, for instance. We've always had that. Well, never so much as we have had it today now. You even have army, army um, uh, magazines saying this is the time of perpetual war. So there's always going to be wars, and they're telling the, the papers when they're going to have the next wars with whom and all the rest of it. It's ongoing. So you have that. You have plague and pestilences. I mean, that used to be worse in, in, in ancient times too, especially in some bad climates. And um, that really could wipe out uh, almost everybody. Today we're in an era where... And everything in Revelation can be caused by science itself. Uh, even the articles that they've done on, on, uh, on um, weather warfare, for instance, uh, and signed into the Treaty of the United Nations. Uh, we're in the age where we're creating different kinds of insects. They have admitted in Canada they've released them here, in fact, to kill off the aphids on crops, even though they released them on top of the altered ladybugs, uh, were released by the billions Billions of them in Ontario, into southern, into the states as well, and the government denied it first. They released them, then they had to admit they did. Then they had to deny that they bit because it says, "Well, the lady bugs don't bite." Oh, but these kind do. We've altered them, uh, and, and we also breed mosquitoes and all all these weird, wonderful things that are bigger than normal. They can carry more of a loading dose of disease for warfare purposes. So. Plague and pestilence, famine, all that kind of stuff can be caused quite easily. Even the aerial spraying is killing off the trees, for goodness sake, and all the birds. Uh, folk are getting sick with it. 
And obviously, if they wanted to, and this is this is why they first went into aerial spraying. It was initially during World War Two. They discussed ways of spraying crops in enemy territory to kill off all the crops. Everything that can be done, even earthquakes, can be done now with with human technology. So it's not impossible uh, that um, it can, can all be done. As far as happening in the past, you'll have you have to go into the really old books on uh, the Middle East uh, and uh, Persian histories too. And even in Hinduism, you'll find uh, very old histories there, probably even older. But they do talk uh, about times when a people tried to conquer the world before. And the remnants you get out of that, say in a Christian version, are about Nimrod trying to become higher than all the gods, build his tower up to heaven. And then the sons of God look down and confound them, confuse them all. They all understood each other, the same tongue. Uh, and then, so they scattered them all over the world. And then you have other Psalms that, that were taken out of the Bible. And you'll find that in, in books about um, Jewish um, myths and theology uh, from, from uh, Oxford University Press. And they talk about, they talk about uh, similar things that happened in ancient times. Um, where, where are people who try to take over the world, uh, when they failed? It could, it could tie in with Nimrod's whole thing, but, uh, uh, they were hunted down. They were hunted down wherever they were found. They were killed because they, they brought such catastrophe to the world and they had to start all over again as a secret society, um, with, with uh, visual signs to recognize each other, etc., etc. Uh, this is ancient stuff. They used to have this in the Old Testament Psalms and they were pulled out a long time ago. So you're looking at things that have been tried in the past in different scales, obviously. But today, this is the only time where man himself uh, can bring on everything they're talking about in Revelation. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you talk about you know, things that, are, that were taken out of the Bible that we don't have today. Yeah. I mean, how, how, do you, how do you, I mean, I guess without... You know, the, without having the time to, to study all that stuff, you know, and, and still make a living. Yeah. How do you, how do you discern what's true and what's not? What's, you know, because, I mean, I, I know there's some mm-hmm. stuff in the Bible that, you know, that, that had to have been put there later, you know. Oh yeah, sure, sure. Every time they rewrite stuff, uh, for, for, for biblical updates and different versions, there's always done for political reasons. Right. And, um, and then that's why the King James came out. It was to answer uh, the Geneva Bible that came out before him uh, for the Protestant sects. So he came out with his version, and he put it back in there where the king was chosen by God, and he emphasized that so you would obey the, the, the government. So, um, But what you do get is when you look into ancient religions, uh, into mythologies as well, you start to get an idea of that things, a lot of things have happened before. Um, going to the histories of China, that's fascinating in itself, because even uh, about, about 1000 BC, 2000 BC, they were already, had, they'd already practiced forms of communism, socialism, fascism, you name it, uh, massive governments at one point. They'd done it all. So there's nothing new under the sun. And believe you me, these, 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 um, are well documented histories that are still used today for techniques to use on present populations. If they worked before, like Plato said, they'll work again in any age. If you know the formula and how to introduce a sequence of them, they always work. Machiavelli is another one. 
and uh, as an advisor to kings and how to control and con and fool the public at every turn. So you're living through incredible deception when it comes to, comes to any kind of government. Uh, and uh, and the guys at the top are so well into it. Just like as I mentioned too, that whole thing with uh, the lawsuit that came in against the false accusation against the Tory MP in Britain. And it turns out he's an expert in this very, very thing. He manages to get the whole thing diffused, the Tory party off the hook, um, by using a technique he mentioned about get a false accusation against someone, get it cleared up, you know, and bring in the lawsuit, and then all the rest of the other allegations will just drop by the wayside. I mean, it's classic. These guys are all Machiavellians. But when it comes to the Bible, as I say, the simplicity of the early teaching was just that. It was, it was simplistic, very simple. There was no, you didn't need specialists. That was the whole point of Christianity. You didn't need priests to, to decipher it for you. Right. And modern Christianity was taken over a long time ago because there's been a war against Christianity for hundreds and hundreds of years, you understand? People don't know that either. And modern Christianity was taken over eventually and, and, and standardized by the World Council of Churches that was set up by the Rockefellers and to make sure that every seminary for Christians would turn out the same new ideas of Christianity as opposed to what they were before. Where do you go to find what they were before? You have to go. Can you find that now, I guess? Well, you can, can, yeah, you can. You can get old books if you really do studies and buy old books uh, prior to the World Council of Churches, and you will will find uh, what was was taught in the seminaries then. You didn't get this wimpy type of pastor with his hands in the air and people just waiting for the next life. They knew that this life was also important. They didn't put this a, a substandard value because you're actually living here in the body. Uh, and, and they also demanded action because the whole message of Jesus at one time was uh, you followed the leader. And the example you got was a guy who was killed for standing up against the bankers and, and the power structures and the militaries of his day. He was killed for it. He didn't go and say, oh, I'll say nothing and I'll go to heaven afterwards. Yeah. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Watt. I sure do appreciate the time. Thanks for calling. But your Christianity was a revolutionary movement. People, people forget that. And it, for the, no other religion had ever said to the people uh, that you're all important. That was unthinkable at one time. You were either a slave or you were somebody. And to tell people you're all important to your creator was a revolutionary thought. Now we'll go to, to Aaron in Nevada, if he's still there. Hello? Hey, thank you, Mr. Watt. I love your show. Yeah. So, me, the closest relevance to this period in time, as far as from an American perspective, is Catiline in uh, the uh, declining Roman Republic before it went to the Caesars. And uh, I think that's the closest thing to this. Uh, we have debt overhanging, oh. and Catiline sought to, uh, you know, absolve the debt from the masses, from the plebs. So, there's that concept going right now, mm-hmm. and uh, I would say human nature is what I account on. I don't believe in any of these different good books or mm-hmm. prophets, etc. Um, and secondly, the latest uh, sphere de jour within the alternative media seems to be this secessionist movement for America, and all the particular typical players are there uh, seizing upon this moment to 
you know, sell their wares and keep themselves relevant. Uh, and then they go ahead and bring up people like from the CFR who are admittedly from the CFR and the CIA and wheel them out there and they say, hey, look to this guy type of thing. And I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. This, is, this is the enemy coming on the show. You don't uh, speak to him in that context. You speak to him in the context that he's from. Do you know about what I'm talking about there? You'll have to yeah, try it. Your phone's breaking up like crazy here. So it's, uh, I'm only getting little vowels and, and consonants, but I'm not getting words. Uh, maybe you can call in again later, uh, uh, Aaron, and see how we can get along there, because it's hard to make out what you're saying. But I think I caught the part that, that people are bringing on experts from CFR and CIA and all the rest of it, which is all part of the con, that is true. And it's meant to, to keep you going round in circles forever. Uh, you understand some of the best... Um, <laughs> Agents has been out there over the years are excellent agents. That's what a really good agent is. He can even get caught and come back on and be a good agent and fool the folk again because people are conditioned to listen, to, especially in America. They're very conditioned to believe that anybody who's been any sort of military or paramilitary organization belonging to government is very, very special because they're so used to the uniform. The uniform is stamped into their psyche because America was created to help bring in and end end finish this whole new world order idea. But um also going to the next article now too. And this is to do with uh oh the World Bank, believe it or not, the World Bank at this time of all times, there's a couple of articles that are not these folk have been <laughs> living basically behind barbed wire for an awful long time. The Palestinian fiscal crisis hurts the state building, says the World Bank. And I've also got a, a PDF from them. They've got all their, the money that comes into them and how much it costs to sustain them and all the rest of it works out. And they're saying, the World Bank is saying that they don't have enough cash there and enough stability to become a, a, a recognized state, which what they mean is under the United Nations. This is their latest excuse for it. They're always getting bombed, so they'll never, you can't be a, a, a going concern uh, to be a legitimate state to join the United Nations. It says stagnations or, or, or revival Palestinian economic prospects by an ad hoc liaison committee. It says here, I'll put that up tonight as well for those who care to, to peruse it. And uh, also, the one to do with uh, the latest news that I've got, maybe it's commenced again, I don't know. Palestinian resistance movements, Hamas and Islamic Jihad, have confirmed they've reached a ceasefire agreement with the Israeli regime to mark the end of the, the violent attacks on the Gaza Strip. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix and there's another caller, Chris from Oklahoma on the line. Are you there, Chris? Hi, Alan. Yes. I was uh, wondering what your thoughts were on what is the uh, origin of Christianity. The origin of it? Like where did it, where did it uh, originate? Well, there's no doubt it originated in uh, that area, so-called the Holy Land, there's no doubt about it. And no doubt there was a Jesus, whatever his name was, who cares? The fact is he, he existed. 
and um, he's mentioned as well, with not in a nice way either, in, in the Talmud, which is some of the earliest writings about it. So there's no doubt this this guy lived. Yeah. So it was. Uh, so the the teachings that surround uh, were, were actually surrounding an actual historical figure from your perspective. Oh, oh yeah, there's, there's no doubt it's a historical figure. Um, how much was changed later on, we'll never know. You know. Can I ask so another a, question? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I've, got, um, I've read that uh, there's 40, 40 something miles of uh, shelf space down under the Vatican in their secret archives. They're not secret. They've even had tours of them recently. They even had Hollywood guys going to see some of the parts in there now. Yeah. Oh, is that right? So they're kind of open now to public tours and all that. Yeah, they had document. They even had documentaries out twenty years ago showing you some of them. Yeah. What what kind of stuff would be down there? Like. Oh, they had all the correspondence coming from kings, queens, anybody who was anybody, rolls, parchments. Some of them still with the seals on them, the wax seals on them, and everything from all over uh, the ancient world and right through mid- medieval Europe. Um, a whole a whole archive of history there, really. I mean, it'd be fantastic if, if they published it all and gave us its other version of history right from the horses' mouths, those involved in the, in the history at the time. Uh, it'd be quite interesting to see if we could ever get a hold of that. A lot of the stuff is going in microfiche, and, but they have uh, let some of it out too. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a well treasury of information for sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for coming. And also I'll put up a link for, to um, Jonathan Cook, who's really supposedly one of the world's experts on the Middle East for the Council on Foreign Relations. I think he even worked for MI6 for a long time. But he talks about the, the institutionalized hatred in Israel against other peoples and how they all, the, the, some of the rabid rabbis come out and really tell the soldiers to go by the Torah uh, version of how to slaughter all your enemies, including the, the children and so on. I'll put this link up tonight. It's from Counterpunch. It was elsewhere. I think it was up on Alastair's site himself. But he actually gives you some of the institutionalized hatred that's unfortunately taught in some of the very fundamentalist schools. And um, even even has an article up a bit here about comparing um, Gentiles to donkeys. Uh, this is taught from the Talmud, folks. Unfortunately, it's institutionalized. And he talks, he, this, this rabbi recently talked about that and says that's what Gentiles are. Now, how, how would you get past this? And even ADL had to come out and, and uh, sanction them for saying this kind of stuff and causing the hatred. But it's institutionalized in the people there. Uh, wh- how can you combat this kind of stuff? Even seen that Jews were obliged to kill anyone who posed a danger immediate or potential to the Jewish people. If that's taught as from childhood onwards, how how do you repair this? From Hamish myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you. <laughs>